if we're supposed to realize and try to make some hakanas for what lies before us and what the nature and what the essence of that day is. Rosh Hashanah, we know, the main Aveda of Rosh Hashanah is to be Mamlech HaKadosh Baruch upon us as a Melech, as our Melech. That is the main tafkid of Rosh Hashanah. It's all about Malchus. It's all about proclaiming HaKadosh Baruch as our king. And that's what the tefillahs are about. And it's important in Mechavim when we're davening for the appropriate things. We're not supposed to be davening as very often we tend to for all of our personal tzrachim constantly. Because it's not about us. It's not a day like in Kippur that we're standing and, and, and confessing our sins and asking um, that tomorrow will be better. It's a day that we're supposed to just come before the Rabbi Nishleilam and state that he is our Melech. You're supposed to say the Sukkim of Malchias in Muslim Shmanasai so that you should proclaim me as your melech over you. And so it's not a day about us, it's a day about Kvayt Shamayim. The Zayr HaKadosh brings that if a person stands on Rosh Hashanah and all he does the entire davening is daven about his personal needs and his personal tzrachim, so the Zayar, I believe, uses the Russian that he's like a, a caliph, like a dog, who just says, have, have, just give me more, more. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu is not impressed because it's a day that we're supposed to proclaim as our melech. We're also supposed to notice the fact that the Shechina is the Galusa. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is not on his throne as he should be. He is quite in a dismal state as we are when we're in Gaulus, he's in Gaulus. And so we're supposed to long for the day that HaKadosh Baruch will be reinstated as a Melech, as a Melech should be. And that's what the davening is all about. These are all futuristic bakashas of what will be in the future when HaKadosh Baruch will once again be the full-fledged Melech in all of his full glory. So it's not a day about us. We're supposed to be crying for HaKadosh Baruch Hu's plight, being mamlachim and at the same time being aware of the fact that our king is not really where he should be. And so we have to daven that Mashiach should come and that the Golos should come to an abrupt end. But having said that, that Rosh Hashanah is a day to be Mamluk HaKadosh Baruch as Amelech, we also have to take note of the fact that we know that there's such a thing called Yasser Simei Tshuva. There's ten days that are steeped in Tshuva. These are the Yimei HaRachamim and These are days that we're supposed to really work on Tshuva. And Tshuva we know, is really a, an introspective type of process. It's charata, it's kabbalah, it's vidoy. 
so on, Rosh, on Yom Kippur, I understand how that qualifies the day of, of Aseris to make Shuba, of the climax of Aseris to make Shuba. And all the other nine days of the, the nine days other than Rosh Hashanah, or the eight days, those are all very simple to understand. We say slichas, and we're doing things in order to further our tshuva, but Rosh Hashanah is not really a day of tshuva, it seems. On the surface, it would seem that it's a day of being mamlech HaKadosh Baruch So how does that jive with the fact that it's a day of tshuva, it's the first of the Aseris to make tshuva, and yet it's a day that we're not propping any alchets, we're not doing vidui, we're not, we're not saying anything personal, or we're not supposed to, but rather it's a day to be mamlech HaKadosh Baruch So I want to suggest a possible idea, and that is as follows. As we've just said, the process of tshuva, according to the Rambam, is threefold. There's charot al-avar, which means that you have to have regret and remorse about the averis that we've done in the past, which means we have to look in the rearview mirror of Tavshinai and Dalit and see what we've done and maybe we even, if we're really good about it, we've made a cheshbon nefesh and kept a, you know, like Rabbi Yaina suggests and advises people to do. And the Sosisharim also says, you know, it's important for people to write down things because otherwise you forget. So let's say whether we wrote it down or we didn't, but we basically, let's say we have a, a cheshbon in our heads of all the things that we've done wrong in Tavshanai and Dawid. And it's a time to do tshuva, Tshuva involves having charata, looking back and saying, what was I thinking? How could I have done these terrible averis in Tavshanai and Dawa? That's a big chelot of tshuva. Rabbi Yaina goes into much greater depth of the, you know, the gut-wrenching, soul-churning type of process of charata. He says it's not just charata. He also breaks it down into yagain and anacha and tsar and bechiyah. There's a lot of things that have to go back, go into looking backwards and trying to analyze, you know, what went wrong and having karata about that. So we have, as a chilek of tshuva, we look back, we look in the other. Another chilek of tshuva is to look in the present, which means vidui. Vidui means right now I'm standing before the Rabbi Shalom and I've been mischaret basher husham for what I have done, and here I am, this is who I am, and I really am confessing where I'm holding, and I want to change. That is now. The vidu is not looking back. The vidu is right now, I'm atoning, I'm confessing, I'm standing here before you. So there's a chilek of tshuva, which is avar. There's a chilek of tshuva, which is hayva. And of course, there's a chelak of tshuva, which is la'asid. And that is the kabbalah la'asid. We're supposed to think that I want to accept upon myself that I will not go back to those averis again. It's not enough just to do vidu and klap al and and have charata, whatever that means. But you also have to make a firm, resolute kabbalah that I will not go back to those averis. The Ramam says that the that atshayoyed It has to be such a sincere kabbalah that hakadosh baruch hu could be made upon you, could testify 
that what you're saying is sincere, that your Kabbalah is strong and it's true. So we basically have like a three-dimensional process of tshuva. We go back in time, we stand in the present, and we also look forward to the future. And that's the tshuva that we're accustomed to knowing. And I think that on Rosh Hashanah, as we're being mamlech HaKadosh upon us as a melech, it's a parallel tshuva. It might not be such a, such a, a tshuva that we're mefarit every single chet like Yom Kippur is. It's not a time for us to think about our personal wrongdoings, perhaps in a very microscopic and minute way, and think about all the lists and lists and lists of things that I've done wrong, because it's not the time for that. Now is the time to focus on HaKadosh Baruch Hu's Malchus. But HaKadosh Baruch Hu's Malchus also is three-dimensional. We say constantly, we say it every day, but we say it in piyutim over and over and over again on, during the Yom Nairayim. Hashem Melech, Hashem Moach, Hashem Yimlech Which means that when we're dealing with Malchus Shamayim, we're, we're not just saying that you are my Melech today. We're proclaiming Hashem Melech, you're now my Melech. Hashem Melech, you were always my Melech, you were the Melech in the past. And Hashem Yimlech, you will be a Melech in the future. It's not enough on Rosh Hashanah just to be Mamlech HaKadosh Baruch Hu as our Melech now. But we also have to understand the panoramic, sweeping view of HaKadosh Baruch Hu as being the Melech always. Adain Oilam Hashem Melech B'Terem Kol Yitzir Nibra. HaKadosh Baruch Hu was a Melech even before any creature was created, Hashem was a Melech. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu is a, is a Melech today, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu will be a Melech in the future. And on Rosh Hashanah, we have to proclaim Hashem as a Melech in the past, in the present, and the future. And that's why we keep saying, Hashem Melech, Hashem Melech, Hashem Melech, because it's a proclamation that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the universal God and King that was always, is, and always will be a Melech. And so I believe that the Avaidah of Tshuva of Rosh Hashanah is unique. It's different than the Tshuva of the rest of Elul and Aser Yisimei Tshuva where we're trying to be Mepharic our Chatam and look inside and see what we've done wrong in terms of Lashon Hara, in terms of Rechilas, in terms of Shmir Shabbos, in terms of all the other Averis that we might be engaged in. It's a Tshuva of how have we been in terms of our relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu as a Melech. And that involves three processes. The first step on Rosh Hashanah is to proclaim that Hashem, you were always the king. You were always the king. The whole Tavshanayim Dalad, you were the king. And I have charata that I didn't treat you properly. Knowing that you were the king, we look back and we have charata, not in a, not in a, in a gut-wrenching sort of way, because it, again, it's not about me. I'm not, I'm not going to go and discuss every single little there that I did, but as a whole, 
I was not properly respectful of your malchus. Your monarchy was not always before my eyes. You see, every time that we do an Avera, regardless of what the Avera is, it's not important what the Avera is on Rosh Hashanah per se. But in general, the fact that I was able to do something against Ritzayna Yisbara, what that basically is in the Svar every single time that I am Chaypeh, it's a Marija against HaKadosh Baruch It's a rebellion. I'm rebelling against your word. You said not to, and I said I'm going to. That's a Marija. That means that I don't have a proper understanding of Hashem Moach. That HaKadosh Baruch you are, I'm saying on Rosh Hashanah, you are not always my Melech last year. I'm looking back and I'm saying to myself, I'm sorry that I did not treat you like a Melech. And I want to do tshuva on that. There's a story that's told about Ramesha of Kubrin, one of the great Gedalei HaChasidus. And he used to speak before the Tkiyas on, on Rosh Hashanah. The minigan in the yeshiva is that we don't speak before the Tkiyas. I think that somebody should speak because it's very, very important that this is a time that, you know, to be ma'ayer tshuva by the Tkiyas, it's like in many yeshivas around the world. I know in the yeshivas that I've been to, many of them, you know, the Rosh or somebody gets up and speaks before the Tkiyas to be ma'ayer but Ramesha Mikubrin used to do that and he used to say the following story and I think it was a true story that the Tsar in Russia in the early 1800s um, was very popular his Malchus was very very strong people were afraid of him and people loved him and he was very very you know, a very successful monarch and then the news came that there was a certain group of rebels that were mounting an insurrection against the king, against the Tsar. And the king got very upset by this, and he sent troops into that region of, of his kingdom to quell the rebellion, to quell the, 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 the rebellion against him, the mutiny. And they they rounded up, they killed many of the rebels, and they rounded up the leaders. And who was the leader of the leaders of this mutiny against the Tsar? It was none other than the Tsar's son. The Tsar's son himself went and led a revolution against the king, against the Tsar. And the officers, when they came back to the Tsar, and the Tsar wanted all the, you know, all the nitty-gritty reports about what happened, so, so, well, the good news is that we got rid of the, the revolution. It's over. The rebellion, we've stomped out. It's oh, we, we've, we've smothered it. It's over. It's gone. And what's the bad news, the Tsar wanted to know? And now they started getting very nervous. Because how do you tell the Tsar himself, the Chleidah of Atma, that his son, of all people, was the one that mounted this mutiny? And finally, the, the czar coaxed them into saying it, and they said, we can't not say this, and we're sorry to say this, but it was none other than your son who was the leader of this band of rebels. 
And the king got extremely upset and says, I, I don't care that he's my son. I'm furious at him and I want him killed. He has to be executed as if he was a regular person. And so they started going and uh, they, they put him in prison for a while. And then he was going to be executed. One day, the Tsar was taking a little walk in the forest. And all of a sudden, he sees some of his generals and some of his you know, officers. And there was some ceremony taking place not far away in, a, in, a, in an opening in the field. And the Tsar walks over there and tries to find out what was going on. And they tell him that we're about to execute your son. He hadn't seen his son since the rebellion. And his son was standing there, humiliated, embarrassed to see his father. And the father says, you know, I'm not going to let you go. I'm not going to pardon you. But I don't know how you could do this to me. I'm your father. I give you everything. You could have had the whole malucha. What did you do this for? You're crazy. And the son just didn't say anything. He just dropped his head. And the king walked away. He didn't want to see his son executed. And the son was allowed to say one last thing before he was killed. And he started screaming, Long live the king! Long live the king! And when the czar heard this, he immediately ran back and he said, Stop the execution. I can't have my son die. Hermeshami Kobrin used to say this and say that when we blow the tzkiyas on Rosh Hashanah, what it's saying is that we're sorry for rebelling against you. But we're saying that as, far, as much as we shouldn't have rebelled and the harata of going against your malchus, the tzkiyah represents the yearning, the deep-seated yearning in our neshama. That HaKadosh Baruch Hu, we want you to be our melech. We're sorry for what we've done, but we want you to be our melech. We're proclaiming you as a melech, despite the fact that Hashem Malach we have failed in. We rebelled against you. But you're our king, and we want you to still be our king. And when HaKadosh Baruch Hu hears those tkiyas, HaKadosh Baruch Hu stops the din, as the Medrash says, he gets up from the kisei adin, and he sits himself on the kisei arachamim, and he's merciful once again as a father. This is a chaylet of Rosh Hashanah. It's, it's a tshuva on Hashem Malach. It's a tshuva on the fact that we haven't treated HaKadosh Baruch Hu as our king. Not only have we not given, given him the proper respect as our king, but we haven't... We've rebelled against him. It's one thing to ignore the king's mouth. It's another thing to rebel against him. And we've done that as well. Now, even if we have a, had a good year, and we don't feel like we've been really mutinous, if we've ever, you know, done not there, it wasn't amazing, we didn't really want to rebel against HaKadosh Baruch Hu. These were momentary lapses of, of judgment. You know, we, we forgot about certain things. We let the Yitzhar get the best of us. We never meant to be, you know, to do Averis Lahafis. We basically sinned because, you know, we had Tavis or 
we forgot briefly, momentarily, that, that there is halacha about not speaking Lashon Hara or not looking at certain things, perhaps, but we didn't mean it as a rebellion. There still is a tshuva of Hashem Malach. There's an amazing maisa about Rav Sadr Gaim. It's brought in the Chavis Halvavis in Shara Vaidis Elikim. Rav Sadr Gaim was one of the greatest of the Gaimim. And one time the story goes that he went into an inn. He checked himself into a lodge and the innkeeper treated him very nicely. He gave him a nice welcome when he came in and he gave him a nice room and he you know, gave him a nice meal to eat. Very nice treatment he got. And then somebody told the innkeeper that this isn't any regular customer that's checking into the hotel. This is Rav Sajir Gain. He's the greatest Gain perhaps ever in the history of the Gain and one of the greats. And then all of a sudden when the innkeeper found out who his guest was, he like started lavishing extra attention on Sadra Gain and he like gave him room service and you know he gave him a better room and a better table and a better a better, I don't know, towels, whatever it was that the innkeeper does, he gave him better and better and better. And Sadra Gain says, What are you doing this for? He says, Because I'm so sorry that I didn't know it was you when you came into the hotel. So the Sajid guy said, you didn't do anything wrong to me. You treated me nicely. It was fine. He says, I know I treated you nicely. He says, but had I known that you were a Sajid guy, I would have treated you so much more nicely. And for that, I apologize, because I didn't know. The Sajid guy says, at that moment, suddenly like a light bulb went off over my head. And I realized that this is what we have to do when we're doing Tshuva to the even if we've been very good in the past. We've had a good year, hopefully. But every day, the older we get, the more that we learn, the deeper that we think, we're able to have new asagas of who HaKadosh Baruch Hu is. And so I have to do tshuva on yesterday because I, of my asagas today, of my understanding today of what HaKadosh Baruch Hu is. The melech that he is, I didn't realize that he was that melech yesterday. And for that I have to do tshuva, for the lapse of understanding, of depth, of who the king is. For that I owe uh, my apologies as well to the king. Every day that we're in yeshiva, every day that we're alive, every day that we're learning, and we're getting stronger and better and firmer, and we're getting closer to the Rebbeinah we realize what HaKadosh Baruch is in a way that we didn't yesterday. And perhaps we didn't two days ago. And three days ago, and four days ago, every day we should be getting more hasagas, and we have to do tshuva on the fact that we're, we're not properly mamlach HaKadosh Baruch as And so, in the rearview mirror of Rosh Hashanah, that's the tshuva of Rosh Hashanah. We're coming before the Rebbein Shalom, not as human beings, but as subjects. We're your, you're our king. We're your people. And we're sorry for the rebellion. We're sorry for not understanding how you were the Melech. That's the Avaidah of Tshuva of Harata in terms of Malchus of Rosh Hashanah. There's another Chalik of Tshuva, of course, and that's the Haidah. 
That's Vidoy. Now we don't say Vidoy on Rosh, on Rosh Hashanah. It's not a day of Vidoyim. It's not a day of personal Chet. It's a day to be Mamlach HaKadosh Baruch But it's a day that we have to grasp the fact that right now we're being Mamlach HaKadosh Baruch upon us as our Melech today. And that's not an easy thing. That's not an easy thing at all. Rabbi Sel Salanter used to say that when you say Kriya Shema and you say Shema Yisrael, Hashem Aleikein Hashem Achad, and we know the kavana that you're supposed to have when you say Shema is that you're being Mamluch HaKadosh Baruch as your Melech upon you as your Melech. You're accepting upon yourself the yoke of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's kingship. So Rabbi Sallallahu says, you know what? You're supposed to have kavana, and this is brought in the Svarim, that you're supposed to be Mamlach HaKadosh Baruch Hu as the Melech, uh, you know, on, the, on, on all the Ilamis, on all the Rakias, from Mala, and Mata, and, and, and the whole world. All Dalakan Vesars, you're supposed to be Mamlach HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But don't forget one thing, that as you're being Mamlach HaKadosh Baruch Hu as the Melech over everything, over the entire universe, over the galaxies, don't forget also to be Mamlach HaKadosh Baruch Hu as the Melech over you. You see, it's easy to say, yeah, Hashem is a Melech. Everyone, everyone can say that. It's easy to be said. And I, I know that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the Melech on the entire Bria, the entire world. HaKadosh Baruch Hu created the world. He's the king of the world. We all will admit to that. But I will not admit so readily that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is my king. That's difficult. Because when I say that he's my personal king, then it creates tremendous obligations upon me. If I really believe that he's my melech, then I can't act anymore in a way that, that I would. I like HaKadosh Baruch like Hu to be a melech over everyone else, and, but I'm different. I'm different. I'm like, you know, there's a famous story that, go, that a, a maggot used to come, go from town to town, and he would say this like really rousing Musa schmooze and make people cry. And he was very good at that. And one time he came into a city and he gave this amazing Musa schmooze. He was lacing into the island and he was saying, you know, every single person in this city is going to die someday. And people were crying. Yeah, you're going to die. You're going to give it in the cheshpen. It's going to be terrible. Gehenna. People were like panicking. They were like heading for the doors. They were like going crazy. But there was one guy in the back of the room that he was just like smiling. He was very content. He was the only one that wasn't moved. And again, this, now the Maggid like took this as a challenge. You got to get this guy to, you know, you, he wants 100% or nothing. If this guy's not going to cry, then the whole schmooze is worthless. So again, he says, everybody in this town is going to die. You're going to give it in the cheshman. It's going to be awful. And again, nothing. The guy was like bulletproof. He was like Teflon. Nothing was, nothing was sticking to him. And he just gave up. The Magyar just, he couldn't say it anyway. There's just so many times you can repeat that same line. And he basically, okay, you know, and he gets up and he, everyone's like, thank you, beautiful, inspirational, powerful. And then he like, he just, he like ignores all the, all the accolades. He heads, like, he makes a beeline straight to that guy in the back. And he says, Rabid, 
He says, you know, I don't know if you noticed, but every single person in the room I had, I had in, my, in the palm of my hand, they were crying, they were gripped to my every word. And every time I would scream about it, everybody in this town is going to die and you have to do tshuva, you were like unmoved. And the person says, yeah. He says, well, why? He says, I didn't feel it was negative to me. He says, how could it not be negative? He says, I'm from out of town. He says, I'm not from this town. Everybody in the, you were talking to everybody in the town. You weren't talking to me. And that's exactly what it is with our relationship with the Rabbi Shalom. The Rabbi Shalom, you know, go. You're, you're good. You're a good God. Go and, you know, zap everybody else and make everybody else. Me, you know, I'm not from this town. I'm different. Everybody feels they're different in a certain way. We all feel like, you know, that the Malchus is Shaykh to the world. But it's not necessarily Shaykh to me. Rabbi Shalom used to say, we say, V'chulam mekablim aleyem. Not just proclaiming it, proclaiming it was the Melech on the Bria, but Alehem, on them, the Chiyav of Kabbalah's Omachah Shemayim is on us as individuals to accept his Malchus once and for all and to not just speak about it as, oh, you're the king of the universe. That's easy. But it's more difficult to say that you are my Melech today on me. And if you're my melech, then that creates a whole new set of obligations upon me. If I really believe that you're my melech, I can't do certain things anymore. Rebel Yashiv adds to this in a sefer that when we say in the Gemara Rosh Hashanah, Imru Lefanei Malchias, Kedeshe Tamlichuni Alechem, again, it's that same Russian. By saying Malchus, that's basically being Makabal, your Malchus upon you. You have to be me as a melech, says HaKadosh Baruch on you. And that's something that we have to think about in Rosh Hashanah. It's a, it's a, it's a hayve. It's a, it's a situation that we're in right now. That we have to realize on Rosh Hashanah that you are my melech and I'm accepting you upon me now. And that's a tshuva. Because we've never done that before really. We have been very good at accepting him upon everybody else. Rosh Hashanah is a day we come before you and say, we are coronating you as a melech, and not just on the whole world, but that it's upon us. We're a part of the world that we're coronating you in. We're not out of towners, we're in towners. And the, the shmuz, the malchus, is coming to me. And I want to accept it. You know, one of the most famous stories on Rosh Hashanah took place with Aaron Karlin, or the great Aaron Karlin used to daven shachas for the Amud. And, you know, the minigas, you start doing the, the singing before HaMelech um, from your seat. And he started doing that nigan, and then he screams HaMelech, and he faints. And, you know, Hatzalah is called, and everybody is, uh, you know, the famous joke about Hatzalah, they, they went on Yom Kippur to, uh, you know, they got a call that somebody fainted in a shul. And uh, so all the Hatzalah guys, they're all wearing their kittles and their, you know, and their talisim, they're all dressed in white. And they, you know, they do whatever they have to do to get the guy to get a pulse back. And, like, he opens his eyes and he sees, like, all these people in white. He says, 
in Yiddish he says, Binach Shainaibin, am, am I upstairs already? He thought he was dead. He saw all these people in white all, all around him. He didn't know where he was anymore. Rav Amikarlin fainted on Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, on Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, Rosh Hashanah, let's call it. And he fainted on Rosh Hashanah when he said HaMelech. And when he came to, they asked him, you know, eventually, I guess after he finished Shachris, why did you faint? You weren't feeling well. He says, I was saying HaMelech, and I remember then the Gemara and Gittin that we learn on Kishabav sometimes. The Gemara says that Rabbi Yechon and Zakai was inside of Yerushalayim when it was under siege by the Romans. And he was trying different ways to get out because he wanted to get to the, the emperor to plead on behalf uh, to save Yerushalayim. In the end, he asked him to save Yavne. But eventually, finally, he figured out a way to get out of Yerushalayim to sneak out. And he got before the emperor, but the emperor wasn't really the emperor yet. He was about to become the emperor. He didn't know that he was the emperor, that the, that the person who, who was the emperor had died, and it was his turn to be emperor. So Rabbi Yechim and Zakei started pleading before him and calling him like, you're the king. So the em- this, and then all of a sudden it was, you know, they didn't know at the time again that he was the king. So he said, Imalkano, says, I'm Taka the king. So first of all, I'm not the king. See, Chai Misa for calling me the king. But even if I knew you, sir, that I am the king, he says, Inna, until today, why didn't you come? If you really felt that I was the king, then you should have come to me earlier. I'm not the king. But if I am the king, you have to come right away. What, what, what are you waiting for? Why did you wait so long to come to me? And Ivan Mikhailin said, that's the feeling that I had when I was saying HaMelech on Rosh Hashanah that HaKadosh Baruch was asking me, he said, you're saying, you're calling me the king? If I'm the king, then why did it take you to Rosh Hashanah to call me the king? Where were you the whole year? On Rosh Hashanah, we're proclaiming HaKadosh Baruch with the king, and we have to realize that it's serious. If we can't faint, at least we should feel faint in our hearts, that we're standing before the Melech and we have what to atone for. We have what to do tshuva for over the fact that we have yet to feel that the Malchus is upon us and that we haven't had that feeling the whole year and that now we have to and we're still shvachin it. We still are busy proclaiming it as a Malach over everybody else in the room except for us. That's the tshuva of Rosh Hashanah. It's a day to coronate the king and say, Hashem Melech, you are my king right now. You're my king right now. Rav Shamsher Hirsch says a, a beautiful vart. It's Bronner of Schwab Sefer. Um, Rav Schwab said that he heard from his Rebbe. His Rebbe was a son-in-law of Rav, of Rav Shamsher Hirsch. His name was Rav Shlema Zaman Breuer. And so Rav Shlema Breuer said that he bumped into the son-in-law of the Ksav Sefer, I believe. And he said, you know, you're the son-in-law of the famous Rabbi Hirsch. Tell me a bar from Rabbi Hirsch. So he said, okay, I'll tell you a bar from Rabbi Hirsch. And he said the following bar over from his father-in-law. He says, you know, everybody loves the nigan of Adain Ailam. Adain Ailam, especially in Yeshiva, right, after, for those of you that are new, you know, you'll see after, at night, 
both nights of Ashana, Yom Kippur, um, you know, everyone sings together at Dainaylam. And every day by davening, you know, davening starts with Dainaylam, the last thing, Krishna Alamita is It's a very popular, popular piyot. It was, it's, it's ascribed to, um, to Shlaim Ibn Gabiro, one of the great, you know, pious, that a lot of the slichas that we're going to be saying over the next, you know, week or two is, is from. Shlaim Ibn Gabiro, it's not clear for sure if he wrote the Adonai but Adonai is probably, you know, in the top three, I would say, of all the most famous piyut I've ever written. What's so great about Adonai It's a beautiful, it's a beautiful, what's the punchline of Adonai For anyone that hasn't really ever, you know, deeply analyzed it, what's the point? So, Rav Hirsch says that in Adonai what we're saying basically is, first we start saying, you're the Adain Eilam. You are the Adin over the whole universe. And you were Malach before anything was created. You were the Melech. And then after all was done, you will still remain as Melech. You were, you are, you will be in, its, in your glory. You are the only one. There's no second to you. There's no, there's no comparison. There's no beginning to you. There's no end to you. You have the power. You have the... Everything is yours, HaKadosh Baruch That's beautiful, right? Gorgeous. But now, says Rav Hirsch, is the punchline. For who keli, v'chai gayali, v'tzor chavli you are my God, you are my Redeemer, you are the rock of my, uh, you know, of, my, of, my, of everything that I have when I, when I need you in times of crisis. What does this mean, Rav Hirsch says? This means that we are sort of changing course in the middle of this piyot. We're going and saying, HaKadosh Baruch you're the Melech over the whole world. But it's not just that you're like an impersonal God and King that just knows, you know, that looks sweepingly over the whole universe but doesn't have a relationship with me. Fukele, you're my personal God. Fukai Goyali, you're my personal Redeemer. Fitzur Chavli so when I need you, I call to you and you answer me. There's a personal relationship here. HaKadosh Baruch Hu, you are my personal melech. You are my personal salvation. You're not just the universal God, but you're my personal God. Gayim don't believe this. This is one of the differences between a Yid and a Gay. A Gay believes that God is great. The, God is the king. But puny little me, God has no shaykhahs to. You know, what, God, God is so, he's so busy with the whole universe. He's got to make sure that the asteroids don't hit hit planet earth and you know there's a lot of he's busy he doesn't have time for me so therefore you know that's why they have these emsayim and they have getchkas and they have yashka and they have this guy and that guy all these people because they feel that they can't relate to God and God can't relate back to them there's no there's no relationship Adonai is something that we proclaim at the beginning of every day and at the end of every day 
and at the most significant times of the year, we proclaim that not only are you the universal king, but you're my king. I have a relationship with you, and I'm mamluch you as my personal melech. It's very important, Rosh Hashanah, to do tshuva on that. Not only that you, over the past, how I was murdered against you, but also that presently, I have to chop that you are my king and I'm being mamluchy, I'm coronating you as a king. You know, Baruch Beres has a great body. He says, I thought there's no vidui on Rosh Hashanah, but yet, when Rosh Hashanah doesn't fall on Shabbos, we say, Avinu Malkeinu. We say a lot of Avinu Malkeinu is Rosh Hashanah. And Rosh Hashanah, and, and Avinu Malkeinu is a shtickle vidui. We sin before you. How does that fit in on Rosh Hashanah? I thought Rosh Hashanah is not a day that we're supposed to atone, to, to, to confess. So, Rabbi Ber says that the minig used to be in the olden days, that whenever you're mamluch a king, when you coronate a king, on the day of coronation of a king, the minig was that the king used to like take his chariot and go from city to city, and people would come to him with their personal requests. You know, our city needs, the, the roads need to be repaved. There's a lot of potholes in our city, okay? The king tells his assistant, fix the potholes in the town. Next city he goes to, we need a brand new, you know, uh, city hall. Our city hall building is like really in disrepair. We, fine, give him a new city hall. The next, and people come with their personal buckets. We need a, you know, we, we need a little bit of money. We need some more food. We need a, and he takes care of everything. Because part of the coronation of the king is that people ask him for things and he shows that he has the power to be able to give what people need. That's what a king is. The Gemara Brachman says that a king is basically the main job of a king is to provide. He's the, he's the person that provides food and sustenance and life to his people. So... On Rosh Hashanah, says Rebbe the reason why we say Avinu Malkeinu is and ask all these things, forgive us and, 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 and heal us and be meichel us and all these things. It's not Pateris Vigil, it's Pateris Coronation. We're coronating you as our Melech and as it would be, we'd be remiss on the day that we're coronating you as our Melech if we didn't make certain requests, personal requests. And so Rosh Hashanah is a day we have to feel the Malchus, we have to feel the coronation, and, and we have to feel like we're his subjects. And finally, we have to do a tshuva on the Asid. Because you see, every time that we do an Avera, what we're doing is, besides being married, that we're also forgetting about the mission and Abbas. The Mishnah and Abbe says, Histakel begimel dvarim, taboli You should look at three things and you won't come to sin. And the last thing is, The fact that Akadish is a melech and that we're going to have to answer someday to the king. And yet we've sinned, means that we were not really fully engaged in the concept of HaKadosh Baruch being the Melech in the future. Looking forward, Hashem Yimlech, we don't have that concept of Hashem Yimlech really in our minds. 
if we would understand that Hashem Yimlech, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu will be the king in the future, and we're going to have to answer to him, then how would we do an Avera? If every time we are about to do an Avera, we think, wait a minute, I'm going to have to answer to the king. I wouldn't do an Avera. Rabbi Yaina gives a very good muscle to this. It says, in the olden days, when a person used to steal food, you know what the punishment was? It's like sometimes in, in the middle, in, in Saudi Arabia, in certain countries, if you steal something, they cut your hand off. And that's why the crime rate is very, very low in Saudi Arabia. They don't give you cable TV and like, you know, free food for, you know, for a couple of years. They, they cut off your hand. So, Rabbi Niyayna says that in the olden days when a person used to steal food, the king or the judge, whoever was in charge, would basically give you gravel, a little bag of gravel, and by gunpoint would say, start chewing the gravel. What happens when you chew gravel? You don't have to be a dental student to know that you'll lose your teeth when you chew gravel. And all your teeth are coming out. And he says, imagine the charata that a person has as he's chewing the gravel and as he's being punished for that avera of stealing food, as delicious as the food may have been. Can you imagine the charata that a person has? You know, when you lose the ability to eat for the rest of your life because you have something. That should stop us from doing an avera. Nobody would steal. No one would eat something that they shouldn't if they knew that there's going to be a din v'cheshven coming. If I knew that every time I did something wrong, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to judge me so severely, when that's not going I wouldn't do averas. How am I? Why am I doing averas knowing that? Because we don't fully believe or we don't fully comprehend that Hashem Yimor that in the future, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is also the Melech, and we're going to have to answer to him. Maybe he was the Melech, maybe he is the Melech, but tomorrow I'm not thinking about it. And for that, we have to do tshuva as well. The La'asid, the Kabbal La'asid is that we have to accept upon ourselves this reality that HaKadosh Baruch Hu, you are always the king, and tomorrow you'll be the king also. And I'm going to have to think about tomorrow. And by thinking about tomorrow, hopefully that will make me a better Ebed Hashem today. This is what we do on Rosh Hashanah. We're doing tshuva, but it's a tshuva on Malchus. It's all Malchus related. It's our relationship that we've had as subjects to the king. And how we've fallen short. How we've even rebelled in the past, in the present, in the future. And the Abayda of Rosh Hashanah is to do tshuva on the Bechina of Malchus. Now, I've made it out to be a very serious day, Rosh Hashanah, and it is. It's a very serious, it's a solemn day. But just to end on a little bit of a high note, there's a story that's told about Radishitz. Again, one of the great Hasidic masters. And he once stayed in a certain hotel, a certain inn, and the next morning he woke up and he ran to the innkeeper and said, the clock I was hanging on the wall in my room, where is it from? It's an amazing clock. He says, it's an amazing clock? He says, there's hundreds of them. You know, you can go, you know, hundreds all over the country you could get. You could find similar clocks. Nothing special. He says, no, no, there's something special about that clock. 
and every hour as it, as it you know, chimed, there was something different about it. Can you do me a favor and find out where it came from? So he did a little research. He, got, he found the, the supplier that sold him the clock, and the supplier found the person who he bought it from, and eventually he came to the realization that this clock was from the Chayza of Lublin. It was, owned from the Chayza, it was owned by the Chayza of Lublin, and somehow one of the Yarshim needed to sell it to get, get some money, and, and that clock happened to end up in that particular hotel room where the Surabdai Bear was staying. And he said, the innkeeper said, I found out that it was none other than the Chayza of Lublin's clock. He says, I knew it! It could not have been anyone else's clock but the Chayza of Lublin. He says, why? Well, what's so special about the clock? He says, every other clock that I've ever listened to, every hour, whenever that chime goes marking another hour, I get very depressed because I hear in that bell the reminder that I'm older by an hour and I'm closer to death by one hour. But this clock was different. This clock, something that was uplifting, something uplifting me about this clock. This was a clock that every time that it chimed, every hour that went by, I didn't hear that I was that much closer to death. I heard that we were one hour closer to the Melech HaMashiach's arrival. It could not be anyone else but the Chayz of Lublin that could invest so much Kedusha on this clock that it could give off such a beautiful tone. When we're looking towards the Asid and we're trying to say, I'm sorry about the past and I'm sorry about the present and the future, I'll be better. We don't always have to think about death although death is a very, very good way to stop ourselves from sinning. The Gemara Brachas tells us that and if a person sees that his Yetzirah is miskabra Allah, he should be thinking about death is a very surefire way to be able to prevent oneself from sinning. If you're about to do a terrible Avera and you start thinking for a little bit that I'm going to die someday, I'm going to give a din v'cheshpin, that might stop you from doing the Avera. But Rosh Hashanah is deeper than that. Rosh Hashanah is also a day that as we proclaim HaKadosh Baruch as our Melech, we're basically saying HaKadosh Baruch we are looking forward with bated breath to when your Malchus Shemayim is Niskala. That's the Hashem Yimlech that we want. We want to be able to not have to live in a world that there's death and destruction. That was Tav Shemayim Dalet. Tav Shemayim Dalet was the year that there were so many wars. Tav Shemayim Dalet was the year that we had 72 carbonates in Eretz Yisrael this summer. Tavshanai Dal was the year that we lost Kedayla Yisrael. Tavshanai Hay should be the year that Hashem Yimlaich, HaKadosh Baruch Hu Yishvi Melech, not only B'Bechinas, L'Pnei Mi'ach, L'Asadlite Din Mecheshpen, L'Pnei Melech Ma'achei Amlochem. Rosh Hashanah is a day of Simcha. It's a day that similar Ata Hashem It's a day that we are rejoicing. It's a yantif. We're rejoicing over the fact that after the Shparachu, you are going to have a Yitzchalas and Friday, Yitzchalach Bailam. Tafshnayin Hay could be the year if we daven properly. 
that Kaddish Baruch Hu's Malchus will be reinstated and the Mashiach will come and will have on Hartziyim Mishkan Kvaydecha the Ashras Hashchina again. We're not going to go to the Kaisel and see a mosque. We're going to go to the Kaisel and see the Makam HaMikdash. We're going to hear the Kayhanim Babaydasam, the Levim Bashiram of Azimram, Fashiv Yisrael and Avayim. That's what Rosh Hashanah is all about. The Gra they used to say, used to be very happy when he used to hear the Tkiyas. He'd say that when you hear the Tkiyas, you have to be thrilled. Because the Pasuk says, Uchuras Melachbai. That the Pasuk says that when the Chatzaisis of the Kol Shefa are real, to be happy, to be ecstatic. It's not a day that's, it's a day that's solemn. It's a day that's, that could be very serious, and it is very serious, but it also has to be a day that's infused with joy. As the Medrash says, that we have to have confidence in HaKadosh Baruch Hu that will perform a nace for us, to allow us to do tshuva and give us a kapara. But more than that, it's a yantif because we're that much closer to seeing HaKadosh Baruch Hu as our Melech once again in his full glory. That's what Tashanai and Hay should be. But first we have to daven as we're saying these words in the tefillah again and again and again. The Abudram, by the way, says the reason why we say Ubachain, what's this word Ubachain? So many times again and again, this, this constant chorus of Ubachain. He says this comes from the Russian and Miguel's Esther. Ubachain when you stand before the king, there, there's a shaykh as to a lashon of You're standing before the melech and you're proclaiming that I know that you're not where you should be. The shechinta is begalusa, but akarishvarko, it doesn't have to be this way anymore. We want to see a revelation of your glory once again. Send Mashiach. Tavshanai and Hay is a day that, is a year that we could make great if we daven with the right kavan, it's not about us, our personal weaknesses, but tshuva in the broader sense, how we feel as subjects to the king, coronating HaKadosh Baruch Hu upon us personally, and looking forward with all of our hearts, and really, to the day that HaKadosh Baruch Hu will be Yimlech Le'elam to the day that HaKadosh Baruch Hu's Shechina will be back in Yerushalayim in the Makkah Mikdash, and will be able to Avachin Sadikim Yerubi Yismachu will be able to dance and to sing and to rejoice together with all the Tzadikim. And Amir Hashem, this should be a year of bracha and atzlocha and good health and shalom in Klai Yisrael. We should be misfouled for the G'dayla Yisrael that they should have no more tsarists. It's been a very hard year for just this past week, two weeks ago, Reb Chaim Kanievsky and Reb Steinemann, the two greatest Gedarim that we have today, Reb Chaim's daughter, who was the daughter-in-law of Reb Steinemann, was Nifter. The Gedarim have suffered a lot this past year and these, and these past years. They should not have a year of suffering, they should have a year of bracha and atzlacha, and we have to daven for them. We have to daven for the yeshiva that we're in that it should be continuing to be matzliach 
We should be misfollow for our parents and for our family that they should have parnos and they should have help. We should misfollow for our friends that our chabrusas and our, and our people and our shir and our friends, our roommates should also be matzliach, whatever they need. If they need a shidduch, if they need to be able to understand the Gemara better, if they need to be able to do better in college, whatever they need, we should be misfollowed for them. And we should be misfollowed for ourselves that our conception of the Malchus of HaKadosh Baruch should become deeper and stronger, that our connection with the Rabbi Yisham should be real in Tavshanayin Hey, it shouldn't be superficial, it shouldn't be less than HaKadosh Baruch expects from the relationship, but more. In the Mitzvah Hashem, it should be the year that we talk to to see the Melech HaMashiach and Yerushalayim B'Minyana, B'Meher B'Yameinu Amin Bani.